You know that um, when I became a Christian, I remember that um, many people said to me, oh, this is just something that will last for a while and uh, when it will phase out, so to speak. And uh, because of the, most people they don't understand because that Christianity or being a believer is not being a member of an organization. It's not about belonging to a, to a group of people. It's about that you meeting the living God, okay? And um, now I've been in the ministry for 30 years, and uh, I just have to say that the hunger for the presence of God is higher today than it was 30 years ago. Not knowledge of God, the hunger for God. Do you, do you understand the difference? You can know a lot about God without knowing Him, but you can. But if you know Him. Of course, we'll know about him, but it's that way around. And uh, and if, if anyone who's been in any kind of valued relationship, they know that you have to bend. You know, that's why Jesus he keeps saying, daily, take up your cross and follow me. And I think that over the years in my life, well, shall I say, that my relationship with Jesus has been strained, or my relationship with Jesus, where I don't hear him so well, as very often because I forgot this thing about laying down my life. Okay, you know, most arguments can be killed by that. Amen? Any relationship you have, <laughs> if, you, if we learn how to lay down our lives, then that's it. You can't argue with someone who don't want to argue. Have you ever tried that? That's right. It's not, you want them to argue back, but they don't say anything. When, so it's like the whole thing fizzles out. And I believe that this is something we need to get back to, that uh, we need to realize what is it actually that we are belonging to. Yeah. We are not a belonging to a Christian version of some kind of community. Uh, the, the world have golf clubs, uh, whatever clubs they have, and now we, we have a Christian club. No, our foundation is that each one of us at one stage realized we need to be saved and we could not save ourselves. No, we could not save ourselves for good deeds, uh, good intentions, good works or whatever. No, we, need, we, we came to a point where we realized it's beyond me. Okay? And it's so important we always hold on to that thing that we never forget that, that whatever we do in the body of Christ, whatever we have experienced in the body of Christ is always by His grace. It's always by His mercy. Okay, it's not about that. That now suddenly now I now I know everything. No, the, I, I like to quote the late Kenneth Hagin. He says this that you know the more he walks with Jesus, the more he realizes how little he knows him. Mm. Okay, you know that uh, when we are young, we think we know everything. When we become older, we realize we didn't know that much anyway. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and that's the same thing with Jesus. But you will find out when you come to Jesus that. The more you get to know him, the more you realize how little you know him. Because there is, an, there is so much to, to, to know. He is God. He is the living God. And um, I remember many years ago, I listened to Benny Hinn in London, and he said this thing, that the sign of spirituality, you know, the sign of that you are with the Holy Spirit, is you have hunger. Amen. You know, in the natural, if someone is ill, what is the first thing we're checking? Their appetite. 
if you losing your appetite, it's most likely something is not the way it should be. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing that I noticed in my life that when I, in my walk with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit always stirs up a hunger for the Word of God. Okay, He don't stir, He don't, the Holy Spirit don't lead me to anything else but to the Word. So that's where you will always see that when, when it's the Spirit of God that moved, He will lead you to His Word. You know, when you remember some of the testimonies Pastor Balcom shared about that when we smuggled Bibles into China and we just tore out one page at a time and handed it out to people and when we memorized that page and when we swapped it and so on. Can you imagine if you got Matthew chapter 1? Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got the part of the Bible. What, what part did you get? Matthew 1. <laughs> so you have to memorize all the names. That was actually how I started because of a I, I was I was really illiterate when it came came to the Bible, but I did know there was a difference between Old and New Testament, mm. and so I so I did what anyone would do with a book. What do we do? We start from the beginning, and the first chapter I read as a believer was Matthew chapter one, and I said, "Is this going to carry on forever?" I you know I couldn't even pronounce the names because they were not called Joe or whatever, uh, John, whatever. They were called all sorts of long. Hebrew names that was difficult to pronounce, okay? But it is so important that we come back to realize why am I a Christian? And uh, and one thing that, you know, I, I know it's become very popular, but I don't think it's very effective. Uh, there's one thing that is very important to realize is fear has never been a lasting motivator for change. Do you understand? You know, that, uh, uh, that's why I don't buy into this thing about uh, you, if, if you don't get saved, you go to hell. Okay, because that means basically I get saved because I don't want to go to hell. No, that's not what God wants. He wants you to fall in love with Jesus and follow him because you love him. He don't want you to follow Jesus because you don't want to go to hell. Do, do you understand the difference? Uh, it's like, you know, so fear has never been a good motivator. Of course, we know hell exists, but hell is not the motivation for why you should be saved. The motivation for why you and I should be saved is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, it's everything with God is based upon love. Amen. You know, so we follow Jesus not because we are afraid of him, but because we love him. And because we love him, the Bible says, it's because he loved us first. Amen. It's, it's so important we do that. And it's not about I do this one and the other. And, you know, the, the only motivation for I don't fall into temptation should be I do not want to hurt Jesus. Amen. And the thing is that one thing, and, and it's so important that you have to understand when, when it comes to sin and these things, uh, with anything where we need to change habits, we need to change things in our life. Have you noticed? It, it never works if we focus upon it. I need to stop doing it. I need to stop doing that. I need to stop doing that. And if we end up like what the Apostle Paul said, what I don't want to do, I do. Okay? Because we get so focused upon it. But the Bible says, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, that it's the gospel that is the power of God. The gospel yes. is not, not the word, the Bible, the gospel. Of course, 
the gospel is based on the word, mm. but the word and the gospel is not the same. Because you can see the, the Old Testament God, uh, you have to understand that that is not how God responds in the New Testament. Because in the New Old Testament, God, you know, you and I, we could not have relationship with Jesus or with God. Uh, our man's relationship with God in Old Testament was like a boss and an employee, so to speak. We, Israel are the people of God, but you and I, we are the children of God. Do, do you understand the difference? So the way God had to deal with the Israelites in the Old Testament, you have to understand the Bible says it's a shadow of what is to come. You know, it shows that God can be pleased and God can be displeased. But the way he responds, you know, he don't wipe out a whole city, okay, because of it, they didn't listen to him. Like what was it, John, who asked Jesus, uh, can we call down fire? Can, can we commit genocide in your name, Jesus? Because they did not want to listen to us. No, but that's not what it was. So, so, that's not the, uh, so the way Old Testament is portraying God is because God can only speak to you in the natural, so to speak. So the way it was built upon in the Old Testament, it was a reward system. You do right, you get blessed. You do wrong, you get punished. Did you understand? But that's not how New Testament is because God put all that punishment upon Jesus. So you and I, we don't get blessed because we do well and punished because we do bad. We get blessed because Jesus has done well. Amen. Amen. It is so important we, we understand that, that that's why we, we fall in love with Jesus because he did not have to do it. He became the price for my sin. He became the price for what, you know, he, he took the punishment that I should have had. And, and that's why we must always never forget that. Because if we forget it, and it's easy to forget, we, we can answer the question someone asks us, but it's something that we need to have consistently in our hearts. Because of now, that protects us from be, be, becoming Pharisees. It protects us from becoming legalistic because we realize, I am under grace. And I believe that this is one of the things that, you know, one of the things we are supposed to extend to the world is to extend grace. Yes. Amen. We, we're not here to extend judgment because of judgment was put upon Jesus. Did you understand? That judgment, the way, it's actually sad to see that we are the people who are supposed to have all the answers. And yet we're living in a society where people want anywhere else but to the church for the answers. And because of we people, the way people read us is that we are a bunch of weirdos, or we are a bunch of people who are so legalistic, self-righteous, and so on and so forth. But and, and I believe it is because we as a body, many of us, this is how we see God. Yes, we, we know when we say God is gracious, we know that, but it's so easy to fall into this thing that I have to please God. Okay, but the thing is, when you see the cross, God is pleased. The Bible says that God was pleased that he struck Jesus with our punishment. So, so, so when you pray, when I pray, when we do things, we don't do it to earn his favor. We got it already. Yes. Amen. And I'm telling you one of the things that is so great with, with, with all of us, but when you become a Christian, there's no such thing as saying, we should do this, 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 everything will be fine. If you do this, 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 everything will be wrong. 
Okay? No, you, you can when you realize how much God is on your side, everything will be fine. It's not according to what you can do, but it's according to what He has done. I don't know about you. I sometimes ask people about, you know, they seems to be fairly successful in a certain area and so on. And uh, when I ask them, what did you do? And uh, it's easy to put uh, also judgment upon oneself and say, oh, I wish I'd done this and I wish I'd done that and so on and so on. And uh, the most rightly answer I've heard, they say, not in a religious way, but they say, it's by the grace of God. Okay, they did not become successful because I was good at handling this or handling that or handling that. They will all come to the conclusion, uh, and the right conclusion is because of the grace of God. Amen. You know, none of us can stand up and say, you know, that uh, I've done this and the other because I thought uh, I was so wise and clever and so on. No, it's because of the grace, grace of God. Amen. It's like, it, it, it is so important to have that because in our flesh, and the devil will drive that in us that we need to do, we need to perform, we need to gain something, we need to achieve something for God. So no, we don't need to because God has nothing, so to speak, that he needs from us. God, no matter how much you do, God still loves you. Amen. And it's so important that we, we go beyond that self-blame. You know, we all heard the voice of the devil. It's something that, uh, you know, don't exactly go exactly to what we expected. The devil whispers in our ear, oh, that's because you didn't do this, or that's because you should have done that, and so on and so on. You know, that's condemnation. And in Romans 8.1, it says, there is therefore now, and underline the word now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the thing is, our flesh likes to punish ourselves. Have you noticed there's something weird with our fleshly nature that we, when we do something wrong, we think we have to do penance, meaning we have to do something to make up for what is wrong. Now, you have it in the Philippines. Do we still do it every Easter where they're trying to, where they crucify themselves? And this is really religion at its ugliest. You know, you can, you can even say, uh, Arrogance, you know, man thinking that I can add something to the finished work of Christ. We can't. But what we can do, we can accept it. And it's so, so important we, we get that back because when you, when you don't realize that, you, you put yourself in some kind of tension where I need to do something, I need to do something, I need to do something. And that tension can actually kill the relationship with God. And God wants you to relax. You are the beloved of him. No matter what you've done and what you haven't done, forget about that now. What you need to realize, you are the beloved of Christ. Amen. Anything else we do, we do it because we know we are loved. We don't do it to be loved. We don't do it so that I escape hell. No, we do it because Jesus has been a revelation to us. We, have, we know him as our savior. We know him as our redeemer. We know him as our restorer of, of the broken things. That's why we love him. We don't love him so that he can do something for us because he has already done it. Amen. Mm. And therefore, but, you know, like, there's, when you see that there's nothing, you know, anything else after your salvation will be less than what Jesus has already done for you. And, and, our, and I believe that the whole pursuit of Christianity is really that you realize how much you are loved. Not for what you, for what you do, but for who you are. 
Amen. And I believe that you know we see in society today now really people who become so so-called successful. It's not in terms of what they do, but it's in it's people who realize who they are. Amen. You know, we, I, I grew up in a generation where if you want to be successful, you need to do this or do that. Or you need to study law. You need to study this or whatever profession it may be. But we're living in a society today that you'll see that those who become successful is those who find out who they are. Amen. It is so important. And when you and I, we find out who we are, we are the beloved child of the living God. You are successful. And when you know that, no weapon formed against you can prosper. Because you know you are the beloved. Okay? And, uh, and I, think, I know that the Christianity has gone off the way. I was just looking at it. I was watching yesterday a very interesting program, actually. Uh, it was about when the Labour government in the 80s, when they were so far away from government power. That was before Tony Blair and Gordon Brown came along. And... Uh, and it was, and and it was like, it was like seeing the church that we realize the labor has got so far away from the people we are supposed to help, and we're saying with the church that we a lot of the preaching today we see is what can you say life coaching, and we don't need that because none of us are experts in that. What we are experts as to be witnesses of the loving God, Amen. You know that. Uh, if you see every encounter that Jesus has with the sinners, you know, the, the sinners, they do not run away from him. They run towards him. The religious people try to destroy him. But the sinners who have no knowledge really of God or did everything, they, they recognize here is the expression of a compassionate God. Amen. You know, it's amazing when you see healing in the Bible, it's always connected to compassion. It's not connected to knowledge. It's connected to compassion. Restoration in the Bible is connected to compassion, not to, uh, to, to what you have done. And they, they saw the image of Jesus. He saw he portrayed, that's why he was here for three and a half years in public ministry, because he had to undo the thinking of how people thought about God, that God was not something who wanted to be to, to, should be pleased, but God was a loving Father, and that's what He was expressing to him. So that anyone who had a problem, they did not run away from God, but they ran towards God. You no, know, the, the lepers, the ten of them, they, when they had a problem, they, they, they ran towards Him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they basically ran away from him. And, and I'm telling you, it's so, so, so important. I think one of the scariest stories in the Bible is Judas. Imagine living three and a half years with Jesus, been around Jesus, listened to Jesus, seen everything that Jesus had done. Maybe one of the most entrusted people around him because he was entrusted with the wallet. And, uh, and yet, he did not know him. You know, he could say, Jesus, he was sent out with the, with the twelve and lay hands on the sick and they got healed and, and so on and so forth. And yet he did not know him. He still thought that this thing about being a Christian was something that you have to perform. He did not, never realize that this thing about being a Christian was a revelation of heart to realize this is the son of the living God. Mm. So, when they, so when he messed up and when Peter messed up and the other disciples messed up, 
you know, but religion is very unkind to Peter. You know, because we remember Peter, he said that, oh, even if we have to die, we'll go with you. And when we when we laughing at him because he, he was the first one to run away. But actually all the disciples say, if we have to die, not just Peter. Okay? But they... But the thing is that with the disciples was that they all messed up one way or another. But the thing is about why they became apostles, why they become the, the pillars in our faith, is because when they messed up, they ran to a loving God. Judas, he tried to rectify his own fault. What did he do? He, with the 30 silver coins, he went back to the temple and tried to give it back. No, what he should have done, he should have run to Jesus and said, I messed up. Amen. But Peter, no, but Judas did not know God, Jesus that way. Judas, he, he knew him in a, in, 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 from a distance. You know, you can be close to people and not know them. Do you understand? Peter, Peter had that relationship. Remember when, when Jesus said to him, who does people say that I am? And when he said, Peter said, he got it right. Said you are the son of the living God. That was revelation. He realized who he was. And when he said, Only my father in heaven has revealed that to you. And I'm telling you, when you have that heart, the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. That's why that when when people say, Oh, I'm a Christian too, and so on, and, and they but but you sense, no, you have a different spirit. Why? Because yours is built upon a revelation of that Jesus is the Son of the Living God. He's not just a, 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 a religious figure. That's why when you speak to Muslims, they think he's a prophet. No, he's not. He's the son of the living God. Amen. It is so, uh, no other religion has that, where we say that God became a man. Yeah. Muhammad, he was the last prophet. You know, but, uh, the thing is that it's interesting. When you study Islam, you see that Islam is based upon that God chose the Jewish people they fail God. You see, already here, uh, there's a wrong conception. When God chose the Christian people, they fail God too. And now he chose the last prophet. Okay? And, uh, and, and basically what Islam means that you have to be submissive. And it's a wrong image of what God is. God does not want you to be submissive by force. He wants you to be devoted by love. Yes. Do you understand the difference? You know, we, we, we don't uh, devote ourselves to God because if we don't, he punishes us. No, we do it because we have met him. And, it, and it's so important. We, this is our foundation because of, the devil will, will help us and even hand us the stick that we can beat ourselves on our head of what we should have done and could have done and should not have done, whatever. But no, you can just relax in his love. That is your foundation. Don't blame yourself for what you should have done or what you should not have done or whatever. No, rest in his love. I don't know about cooking with you guys, but I learned, you know, and when you're cooking in a pan and it gets burned and so on, have you ever tried to scrub it off? And it's hard work to scrub it off. All you need to do, just soak it in water and let it stay overnight. And what was hard to get off the day before just comes off by itself. Why? Because it was soaked in the water. You know, so you and I, religion tells us if you have this issue or that issue in your life, oh, I need to pull myself together. That is no, just soak yourself in the word. Just rest in his love, and all the other things will take care of itself. 
That's why I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things shall be added unto you. You know, we, we do not become good parents because we are good parenting skills. We do not become good husbands because we are good husband skills. We do not become good employees because we are good working skills or whatever it may be. No, it's because we belong to a living God and he is gracious. Amen. That's why you cannot teach someone to be a good husband, good respect, and the other. You can't. But what you can do, you can rely upon a God who loves you. Amen. And when we are devoted to him, he will give us wisdom beyond our capability. He will give us abilities that is beyond our skill set. He will give us knowledge and intellect that is beyond our mind capacity. Why? Because when we are devoted to him, we can do what he can do. Amen. That's why when you have two choices, your choice or his choice, choose his choice. Amen. Why? Because he knows far better than we, you and I. He's been around longer than you and I have been. And many of times, because we have such a short span of lifetime here on earth, our solution looks like this is the right one, but he's been around for forever. So follow his advice. That's why, you know, like I learned over years more and more to assume that my will is not his will. I, I, I made the mistake assuming that automatically that everything that I wanted was equal to what God wanted. And I abused the scripture, God will give you what your hearts desire. You have to understand, remember it says, what your hearts desire. It doesn't say what you desire. It's your heart's desire. Your spirit man. Yes. Not, not the physical man. Because the physical man, he wants five cars, he wants... Ten pair of shoes, he wants this, no, it's what your heart's desire. And if you've been into the presence of God, you suddenly realize all these things that sometimes concerns us in the natural, they disappear. Because in the spiritual realm, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about when, when, when you start seeking him, then everything else will fall into place. Remember when David, uh, <coughs> David was on a campaign, and when uh, the enemy came and took the wives and children, and even David's own men want to strike him down. And then there's this wonderful verse about David. He goes for himself to encourage himself in the Lord. Encourage himself in the Lord. And when he, he didn't say, oh, let, let, let us make a plan how to do this. And uh, he didn't justify anything. He just went aside and encouraged himself in the Lord. No, but you, you might ha you might have too many bills uh, when when there's a, there's a or so whatever it may be. Don't focus so much upon that. Encourage yourself in the Lord. You might have uh, this issue or that issue. Don't focus so much upon it. Encourage yourself in the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will take care of it. All these distractions are for you to focus, for you to be the solution. God does not expect you to be the solution. God expects to be your solution. That's why we call him Lord. Yes. As we have been saying, Jesus is Lord. Why? He is in control. Did you understand? And, 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 he will, and you have to understand, when we follow Jesus, he always works out for your benefit, for your favor. Why? Because you belong to him. It's so important because people get busy with many, many things and they forget the one thing that is so important, encourage themselves in the Lord. Okay? And so they start moving by what we see in the natural. You know, the Catholics, they go down to this place down in 
in France, where we have holy water, we think we have healing power in a No, no, I come in for that uh, monastery. Where is the place where you can get holy water? Charismatics, we get dreams, uh, whatever visions, whatever. No, we got the Holy Spirit who leads us to the world. And I'm telling you, it's hard for our flesh. When we have a when we have a challenge in front of us, I mean, I need to encourage myself in the Lord. It's, it's a challenging thing. The bills come, that needs to be paid, or that happens, or that pain, or that symptom, or whatever it may be, and just to shut it all out and say, I need to encourage myself in Jesus. Amen. But what we end up doing very often, because we feel we have to do something, so we so the dirty dish or dirty pan, we try to scrub it off, and it becomes hard work. And even in the process, you can damage the pan in the process, which is where if you were just patient and just soak it in water, it will all gone off by itself the next day. No, we need to discipline ourselves into this thing to encourage ourselves in Him. Amen. Yes, amen. So don't be distracted. Everything in the natural uh, that is not uh, uh, leading you to Jesus is a distraction. The one thing the devil do not want you to do is to focus upon Jesus. He loves you to focus upon anything else but Jesus. But once yeah, you know, see with temptations in the desert, what was the first thing that the devil said to Jesus? If you are the Son of God, may these stones into bread. He wanted him to focus on a problem, but what did Jesus do? He referred to him with the word. He stayed in the spirit. Amen. Anyway, uh, Matthew chapter 6, which is something I've not spoken about for a while now, and um, and uh, I think that uh, I, I really, 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 really hope that you realize that we are living in a specific and special time, and yet, you know, you can also, but you can actually miss it if, you, if you're not aware of it. We are living in a season where, if we, where God, there's no limit for what God can do if we will work with him. Amen. Anyway, so this is about the prayer, and... Uh, and in verse 5, Matthew 6, verse 5, it says, And when you pray, notice, and when you pray, and when you pray. Now, I want you to understand, you don't need to pray. There is not a set formal of how to pray. For me, the, the, the general thing I want to say is that communicating with God. All, and, I, I, and I want to add to this, that the most impart, uh, important part of your prayer life is your ability to hear. Okay? You know, but I think that the Word of Faith mo movement, they, they got this, uh, and, and, and it was right at the moment, and you have to understand that, that sometimes in the body of Christ, we, we fall into a side way, or, or one side of the road into a, into a teaching, and then after a while, the Holy Spirit, He wants us to get into the middle again. So to get us into the middle, He, he, he makes a very radical turn, but it doesn't mean that the radical turn is the thing. It is to get you into a position. So like, for example, when Kenneth Copeland was told by God that he's not allowed to have any debt, that doesn't mean that you couldn't have debt. But it was because of God needed to turn him into the middle because he, you know, he, bought, he bought for everything and anything or whatever. And like uh, Gloria Copeland, she said she married Kenneth Copeland and, uh, and all his uh, creditors. Because, and she, she actually thought about making a cooking book 
about potatoes in, in a thousand ways because that was all we lived on, potatoes, potatoes, because of that was all we could afford. Okay, anyway, so when you pray, so for me, is that prayer is that I am always available for God to speak. Amen? Where I have the connection. And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. You know, like, and this is, this is what I said to many charismatics lately. You know, that when, when you say things, oh, God showed me this and God showed me this, you know, you have already got your reward. You know, because of, you have to understand, most of the things that God will speak to you is for you and, and Him. It's not for you and uh, uh, for you to go and blabbing around everywhere. It's just like when you have a, an, a close relationship with a person, you talk about things, you don't expect it to be blurred up on Facebook and whatever, because then it's not a close relationship anymore. Did you understand? But we, we have to, oh, we, no, many of the things, you know, God just wants to speak to you. When God shows you something, that's not for, when God speaks to me, it's not for me to have another sermon. No, it's, he, he shows me things in the Bible because of, for my benefit. Not, not to, oh, now I can preach about that subject. No, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose is that we're building a relationship. So the moment I go on say this, that, and the other, here I say, I'm a hypocrite, and I take reward from the natural, and then the Bible says, I have already got my reward. No, you know, a prayer is an intimate relationship between you and your heavenly Father, where He will say things to you, you say things to Him, and when He shows you things in the Bible, yeah, but He shows that to you in the Bible for your growth. Amen. It's not just so that I can now, I, now I know this and the other in the Bible, now I go and have a teaching seminar. But no, remember the Apostle Paul, he, he, he talked about, I have heard words. It was not allowed for man to speak because he, he valued that relationship with the Holy Spirit so tremendously that the things that he heard, it was whole so precious. But it was not just something that was thrown out on the marketplace and God showed me this, that, and the other. We, we didn't, you know, uh, we, we, it, for him it was so precious that God would communicate with him. Amen. It's so important that you know many preachers, you know, they think, oh, God showed me this. Now they think they should preach about it. No, it's for your relationship, your individual relationship with Him. God showed me things that that I that I've not heard other people, but it's not for me to preach it. It's for me. It's to, because we have an intimate relationship with Him. Do, do you understand? It's a different thing. And but the moment I go out and blab it out and say things like that. The Bible says, I have already got my reward. Okay? Because now, now the Pharisees, in the natural, they like, to, they like to pray loud prayers, have white prayer cloths, and all sorts of things, because they looked like they were really, really, really spiritual. And the Bible says they were hypocrites, because they wanted to appear spiritual in the eyes of the people. But this is not what is important. What is important is that I have a relationship with Jesus. Remember, was it... Uh, it's a Jeremiah. The first time God shows him something, it's just a little branch. Why did God show him just a little branch? Because he wanted to see, Jeremiah, do we have a relationship here? 
or, uh, or do you just want to use my relationship for you to look good in the eyes of your people? And when he said to God, it's a brand, he, you know, he said exactly what he saw. And, it, and it's so important, it's an individual relationship. It, like, I don't need to go out and uh, uh, to prove to other people if I'm spiritual or not. That's, that's not my aim. Because you didn't die for me, you didn't pay the price for me, only he did. Amen. It, it is so important that we realize that. So, anyway, so, so, so for they love to pray standing in the synagogue, so they like the actual, uh, uh, appraisal of people. They like to, to be told, oh, this person is a prophet, that person is this, that, and the other. And yet, what, we say, what, we say, what, what, what happens is nothing. Because it says here, they have, they have, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So, but we're six now. So this is what is important. So now when Jesus has said, this is it. But you, when you pray, you know, it's so important that because someone has done something wrong, doesn't mean now you should just throw it all out. He just said here, prayer, the way they pray is not right, but he didn't say they shouldn't pray. Okay? You know, there are many people, they, they have a... So they, they have thrown away this thing they call the prosperity gospel because they've seen many people who've done all sorts of crazy things with it, okay? But that doesn't mean it was wrong. It, what it means, it was handled wrong by people. Did you, do you understand? Uh, but the, we, can, we, we cannot judge God according to how people handled it. We have, to, we have to see it according to what God says, not what people say, okay? So, but you, when you pray, enter into your closet. Now, what Jesus is referring to here is the prayer shawl, okay? And the Jewish people believe that when they cover their head in the prayer shawl, only God and them can hear. So here he says, prayer is about a relationship between you and your heavenly Father. Prayer is that relationship where, you know, we, 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 we have made prayer into a thing. No, prayer is, is not a deed. Prayer is a position I'm in. That's why with Smith Wigglesworth, he said, I pray more than anyone. What he was saying, I'm always connected. The best way to do it is that uh, your mobile phone, you know, where if you turn it off, no matter... If we can know your number, you can be on speed dial, whatever. We cannot get hold of you. But if it's turned on, you are connected. Okay? And this is, and for me, I find in my, in my prayer life is more to God, what are you saying? Because of God already knows all the things that I need. Do you, do you understand? But what I need to know is what, what does God know? So it's the connection. And this is where that. Now I come back to this thing. This is where the word of faith movement, where we, about the confession thing and so on, is so important that our purpose is not to be heard. Our purpose is to hear. Okay? You know, one word from God, if we speak that out, it will happen. But sometimes we, we are taking that and, so we, and then we turn into, as long as we keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it, and we, when we become, when we become a... a like a democracy, the more we do it, the bigger the chances that we'll get it. No, it's one word from God. One word from God. Just take it in. When God speaks a word, and that is the one you should say, then it'll happen. 
but it's the connection that is important. Amen. You know, as I told you before, that when I got confirmed, I got the scripture, if you abide in me and I abide in you, it's always about supply. Always stay connected. You know, it doesn't, it's not about being gifted. It's not about being charismatic. It's about staying connected. You can have, a, you know, I don't know if you follow the news about the war in Ukraine and so on. One of the biggest challenges for both armies, Russians and Ukrainians, is supply. It's supply. And it's not only ammunition and guns and so on. It's food. All sorts of things that we wouldn't think about was important in war. But it, uh, actually, I, I read a funny story. It's a shame, I, because I would like to ask, have asked Mr. Keithley about it, because he was deployed in North Africa during World War II. But Montgomery, you know, the British field marshal, he invented a box, a toilet box, for the British soldiers when they had to do their business. They were actually based upon the Bible. Remember in the Bible, they are told, go that distance outside of the camp and uh, you know, there was hygiene and what happened in, uh, in North Africa at the time was because of uh, the German army they, they, they had all sorts of infections because they just did whatever business they did anywhere so their food were contaminated flies everywhere and so so many of them they had stomach problems they got really ill and so and that was one of the major reasons for why they were not an effective uh, military force. Such a same, but it's supply. Uh, uh, anyway, this is a different thing. But, but when, so when, so go into your closet, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. Amen. You know. What I learned from this, if God had told me something, I don't need to tell you. Because if he told me, at one stage you will be able to see it. Amen. And it's not important that God told me, because who am I anyway? If the only need I have to say to you that God told me is for me, I have a need for you to think I'm spiritual. But what's the point? You thinking I'm spiritual if nothing happens? What, what, what is important is it happens. Amen. That's what is important. It's not important that God showed me or showed you. No, it's important that it happens. It's not important that let's say someone is ill and go and say, "Oh, God showed me you'll be healed." Okay. But that will happen anyway. I don't need to say it. What is important is not that God showed me the important part is that you get healed. Amen. It, it's so, it, 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 and, and, and because if I have to say it to you, it's now I'm really using you to gratify myself, which already is a problem because my gratification should not come from people, it should come from Jesus. And that's why it talks about a secret place. Now, what, 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 why is it a secret place? Because what is spoken there is between you and God. Amen. And not just you speaking what you speak to God is secret, but also what God speaks to you is secret. Amen. I, I, as I always said to my children, when, I'm, when, when it's my turn to go home to Jesus, I said to them, don't fight for anything else apart from my notebooks. 
because that's where I've written down the things that Jesus has spoken to me. And that is far more valuable than anything else. The word that God speaks to us. Amen? And so that's why I say he will reward you openly. That's why you don't need to go out and say to someone that God told me to do this and God told me to do that. No, if God told you to do it, you will do it. And then at one stage we will see it. Amen? Anyway, so, and in secret shall reward you openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions. Okay, here God, you know, get to the point. You know, if you ever want Yen to explain anything to you, 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 the first half an hour, she will tell you everything else, but it's not important, and then she will come to the point. Okay, no, don't use vain repetitions. Don't use vain repetition. We are not hurt due to our many words. As I said uh, before about Hannah, that God does not listen to your beautiful words. He listens to your beautiful heart. It's a heart-to-heart communication. It's not about how, how articulate you are, how well you are at speaking King James or flowery words and so on. It's about, is your heart connected? Pastor Young, the late Pastor Young, he, 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 when he said something, he said, if, if you have a problem with your money, kick the devil out. If you have a problem with your, finance, uh, with your health, kick the devil out. Whatever you have a problem with, kick the devil out. And it was not flowery words. He came to the point. Okay? But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do. No, because why does he refer to the heathens? Because they don't know God. So, they, so their relationship or their understanding of God, that God is someone who needs to be pleased. Now you can speak to any unbeliever when you say you are a Christian and, they, and when they try to explain, they, they all have that point where they think God is someone who has to be pleased. Okay? We don't need to please God. Okay? But... Uh, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. No, they think they shall be heard. No, have you? I, I did. I made the same mistake when I became a Christian. I asked, "How shall I pray?" Because I was so eager to do it the right way. But no one told me, as what I'm telling you today, that it's not about how you pray; it is the do you pray. Amen. It's not about how you pray, but do you pray? It's not about, I, I remember I had this, uh, what was it, prosperity prayer. I remember, and when they uh, say, pray this every day. And uh, I'm telling you, it was like, uh, I was so eager to get it right. And of course, when you're so eager to get it right, you get it wrong. So I had to repeat the prayer again because I wanted to get it right. Because I thought God was someone, if I didn't do it perfectly fine, then everything would fall apart. Okay, that's not how God is. But when you pray, use them when for they think they it. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth. Amen. Put that in your heart. But your father knows. For your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Amen. Be confident. And now, you know, the good thing about when God knows your heavenly father, it's not for information. He doesn't just know for the sake of information. He knows so that he can provide. Amen. When you have the confidence in your father knows. 
He know, but basically say, he says, because you don't need to waste your time on all these things, I know it already. Let's, let's commune, let's have fellowship. Okay? Don't, don't come to me, don't come, you don't need to come to me with your needs. You can rest assured in, I already know your need, and I will provide for them. Now, now, have, now we can have a proper relationship, that is not need-based, but it's relationship-based, where I fellowship with him. Not because of I need something from him, but because I have got to know him. That's where your faith grows, because now you are with him. He's not just your, he's not your bank, he's not your doctor, he's not his, no, he's your father. Because he says here, he already knows. I think many Christians, we can fall into this thing, we have this kind of victim mentality. We are victims, oh, I'm in need, or I need to pray, or so on. No, we, we don't pray because we have a need. We pray because we are saved. Amen. The need, God has said, I will take care of it. Don't worry about it. Soak in his presence, so to speak. Amen. So be like unto him, for your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our father. No, you know, like these two words, our father, are so important in our day and age. Our, notice Jesus did not say my father, he said our father. It's so, so, so vital that we are never lone rangers as believers. This thing about I only need Jesus, no, uh, no our father, our father. And now he also say father, and you have to, in the context of the culture, he's saying that in a context where you are not allowed to say the word God. You know, when the Jewish people read from the Torah, when it comes to the word Yahweh, there's just a small pause, and then we move on. Now, he said, the, so, so, so what they were told, what the tradition was, that God was someone who was distant, someone who had to be approached in a regular manner, and our flesh likes these things. But, but here, Jesus, he says, our Father, he says, God, you know, your, your God, your Father, he is engaged. He's not distant. He is in, he, he, he's engaged in your life. Remember, again, in the context, he says, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is present. He wants to be engaged in your life. He, he's not someone where now he comes, now he goes. You know, in the Old Testament, you know, we see with Samson, the Holy Spirit leaves him. Okay? But in the New Testament, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why I challenge uh, uh, many of these end-time preachers about this thing, about they say the third temple should be built in Jerusalem. I don't believe so, because you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the body of Christ is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If they start building the, the third temple, they say it's going to be built, it's not God. Because the moment they put the first stone down, it will be World War III. Okay, you know, we are the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why when Jesus said it was finished, what, what happened? The curtain was torn. And you know what is amazing about it? The curtain was not torn from below, from the bottom up. It was torn from the top to bottom. What, what does that mean? That means it was God who took the initiative. It was God who showed his heart that he wants to fellowship with you and I. So you and I, we don't need to say, come Holy Spirit. Why? He's already in you. He's already with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
I said to them in Denmark, but this thing, that you, we are not Christ, but we are in Christ. We are not Christ, but we are in Christ. We cannot separate it. You and God cannot be separated because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. So imagine, well, you know, think about that blessed assurance that He is always present. He's all. He's he will never leave you. And you know what? When we realize it, that if He's present, you can be at peace. Things will be all right. Learn from Jesus. Jesus, he said, you know, I, I'm. Uh, he said, he, he showed it when we were when 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 he said, let's go to the other side, and when he just slept through the storm on the sea. Why? Because he was not moved by anything in the natural. He was moved by one thing: he will never leave me nor forsake me. Amen. And whatever storms you have, just look upwards. Don't look at the storm. Don't look at the circumstances. Just look at Jesus. It's not your responsibility to come with the solution. That's his. Rest assured, it as long as you you stay connected, when and connected in a way that you just always say, Jesus loves me. Many of times when the devil has attacked my mind or, or, or circumstances and so on, the only thing I need to say to myself is, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And the, and the devil always say, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And how is that going to happen? And what about it? Have you noticed the devil always wants explanations? He always wants the solutions. But it's not for me to come up with these things. I only have to say, but I love Jesus. Jesus, he said, I am the Lord of Lords, which means I am in charge. I take control. Don't worry about it. Amen. We, we, I don't know. We, we cannot... That be so intense trying to get ourselves healed. Ah, I need to be healed. No, we can't. That's look. When I minister to people, this you know, it's not the joke that makes them getting healed, but it's because in the flesh, where there is so much of the that that we we really trying to be healed. We really trying to do whatever. And when uh, and when the, 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 this is the way God used, they start using me. But if I can get them to laugh. Now they got it because suddenly there was just that little window. Now they relaxed. It's like when you have an operation, isn't it? What do we do? We put you down, sleep. I never understood anyone that wants to be awake. Can you imagine you're awake and then we're working on you and so on? And I didn't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. I don't want to be told what we're doing and and hearing and find out where surgeons are just human beings or whatever. Anyway, so. Uh, well, so after this, our Father, so I'm an individual and I'm also a part of a collective. Both combine, not one or the other. Both, you know, we are not socialists, that's a collective, okay? And we are, we are not just individuals, we are both. You are the beloved, but you're also a part of a beloved family. And as I said to you, so many, you know, just in the natural body, that our, uh, every part of the body gains strength from other parts of the body. In any sport, you know, when, we, when you start training in a serious level of sport, the power does not come from your arm. If you want to hit them, it comes from your shoulder, from the shoulder gets from your hip, and so on and so forth. And as I said, 99% of what you need to know, God has already put around you in his body. Amen. It, 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 because it's already invested because you are the body. So our Father, 
uh, which are in heaven, hallowed be your name, which are in heaven. We are not here to build a natural kingdom. We, the body of Christ, we, 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 every 40 years we go wrong again and when we get recycled. It, as I said to you, it does not matter who is the president of the United States because God is in charge. Okay, it doesn't matter. Of course, we all have, can have political preferences, and that's okay. But don't mix God into it. That uh, I remember, I don't know, I was a, what was a Zambia back in the 1990s. There was a guy who was uh, who was supposed to be a Christian uh, president in Zambia, and uh, I actually saw him down in at a Rodney Howard Brown meeting in London where he was rolling around laughing and so on and so forth. But you know what? Uh, St. Pierre did not become a better place. Because we are not here to build a natural kingdom. Our kingdom is people. Our job is, uh, we, we, can, we can abolish all the ungodly laws in this country. It doesn't mean the country is born again. Do you, do you, you know, when, when the French Revolution happened, where it was basically a, a major bloodbath, how people just get slaughtered all over the place, and uh, and they actually it was start spreading to, to to England. But what did God do? He raised up John Wesley, who preached salvation. He preached the gospel, and all you know the poverty in England at the time and the society at the time was just as bad as it was in France. But because people got saved. That saved the nation. It's so, it's so funny now that in France we killed all the aristocracy. Now we're, we're digging everywhere to find someone because we would really like to have an aristocracy now. But, but the thing is, don't worry about who is in charge of government and so on because we are not here to build a physical kingdom. Okay? We are here to build the kingdom of God. And this is what is the kingdom of God? That is to, 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 to announce to people God loves you. God can restore you. God can save you. God can heal you. God can deliver you. All these things, okay? This is what the kingdom of God is about. You know, like Indonesia is one, you know, always been known for being the biggest Muslim nation in the world, okay? Or with the biggest Muslim population. And yet, it's also there maybe the fastest and biggest growing churches in the world are. Because we are not we are not limited by this world. We underground in China, uh, underground church in China, uh, in the former Soviet Union, there was a lot of Christians at that time. I actually read a book about it in, in the former Soviet Union. When, when you have to go to meetings, we met in the forest and so on. They couldn't announce it. So we said, where is the meeting? We said, ask the Holy Spirit. So you find out every Sunday who was in the spirit or not. <laughs> they got lost or something. Anyway, but it's, we, 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 this is the so so after therefore, hallow be your name. Your kingdom come. This is our purpose. Your kingdom come, bringing heaven to earth, meaning that anything that is possible in heaven should be possible in your area of influence. In your area of influence, your kingdom come, okay? Your kingdom come. 
your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's why that we can we can be bold about healing. That's why we can be bold about deliverance. That's why we can be bold about restoration. That's why we can be bold about salvation. That's why we can be bold about forgiveness and all these things. Why? Because all these things are in heaven. And this is what people need. Many people, they don't know. They, they, people, they think they need all sorts of things. No, they need to realize there is a God who loves them. Not because of what they can do or what they have done or whatever. No, because of what Jesus has done. Even the world knows that Jesus is powerful. Because in the world, you know, you don't say when they swear, they, they don't use the name of Buddha. They don't use the name of any other religious head. They use because they know Jesus is a power. There's power in that name. Okay? So, and when your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you can always ask yourself, would this be in heaven? If not, then you can be confident in this is what God wants. You, it's through the word of God you know his will. You don't need to question what God, because he has cleared it out in the word, this is how and what his will is. So give us this day, notice, give us this day our daily bread. Have you noticed the worries and the concerns that we have is about tomorrow? It's not a, no, he said, give us this day. Uh, there's another verse that says, as your day is, so shall your strength be. The problem is what causes worry is that we want to deal with tomorrow's challenge with today's strength. But they say, this day, focus on this day. When I'm, to I'm talking about what you put your mind to, I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan and so on. That's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about worry, your provision. You know, you, 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 you cannot eat today what, you what you're going to eat tomorrow, so to speak. No, worry about, you know, be, you know this day. Don't let, don't let the devil drag you into this thing. Now you need to come up with solutions for tomorrow. Have you got enough today? Then be at peace. That's why, you know, what, 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 do, what is the lesson here? God wants us to learn trust. That's why the Israelites, for 40 years in the desert, they had to go out daily. Why? Because they had to learn to trust. Because that trust they would need when God had to guide them when they came into the promised land. So it's trust. This faith, uh, obedience, it really is better to use the word trust. Trust him. Because you know him. Amen. Obedience is not based upon laws. Obedience is based upon trust. Because I got to know him. Okay? So this day, don't worry about tomorrow. God is in control. This day. Give us this day our daily bread. So you can be assured of any need you have today, he has provided for it. He takes care of it. Okay? Don't let the devil ask you to start answering questions about what need do you have tomorrow, whatever, and so on. No, this day. I learned when, uh, when, I, was, when I became a Christian, I really wanted to test God. In, uh, and the good thing, when it came to money, God said, I'm testing, I can test him. And uh, I was with Pastor Frank's younger brother then to his mission to London conference. And uh, the first meeting, I, I didn't have a lot of money, but God told me, give it all away in the offering, and I was still 
I still have to be in London for six, seven more days. But every day God provided. Okay? Every so this day. And of course with challenges because we would like we you know we as human beings we like to be in control. Okay? But but you cannot be in control if you walk by faith. Because the trust and control don't you know if if I control you, that means I don't trust you. Did you understand? So when so if we are control freaks, then it's difficult to trust. So no, we just have to so so I had to learn trust in that way. I want to control how am I going to eat tomorrow? How am I going to eat the day after tomorrow? So no, I have to trust him. Because that trust I will need. That's called faith. That's Hebrews 11 says, without faith, you cannot please God. No, it's without trust, I would say, because that's relationship. I take his word for it. If his word says, I don't need to worry, then I don't need to worry why I trust him. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. You know, do you know what, who's the hardest person to forgive? oneself you know i believe that all of us we are in the category you know we, we know we as christians we are not supposed to condemn people okay but you also have to understand that also refers to yourself you know jesus died for you too so we know we we not but i believe that one of the worst things is that we are so good at condemning ourselves but here he said, don't, don't, there's no condemnation. Amen. There is no condemnation. Anything else is a lie. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Uh, I ask that make your word produce what it says. Let it bring freedom, restoration, healing. I ask that, Lord. There is no condemnation in Jesus' name. There is no condemnation. Lord, we thank you that you, are, you have everything under control. You are in charge. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.